Welcome to Central Coast Voices, a program addressing the ramifications of change in our communities and beyond, and how today's choices will impact tomorrow's community. This program is the project of Action for Healthy Communities and provided in collaboration with KCBX and the Community Foundation of San Luis Obispo County. If you live in California, you know it is expensive to live here. But did you know that more than one in three households in California do not earn sufficient income to meet even their basic needs? Today, host Mario Espinosa Kulak and his guests talk about United Ways of California, who in partnership with California's 29 local United Ways, has recently released a new study that discusses what it really takes to make ends meet. Now, let's join Mario and his guests. Over to you, Mario. Good afternoon and welcome. My name is Mario Spinoza Kulik, and you're listening to Central Coast Voices on KCVX. On today's episode, we'll dive into a topic that affects us all, the cost of living in California. It's no secret that living here comes with a hefty price tag. And in San Luis Obispo County, that price is an average of $8,183 per month or $98,196 per year. However, there are many groups working to address these economic issues and how they impact our families and communities. Today, we have the opportunity to hear from Doug Yeiser, Interim CEO of the United Way of San Luis Obispo County, and Henry Gascon, Director of Program and Policy Development with the United Ways of California. Together, we'll unpack the findings of the report, How Much It Costs to Struggle, the Real Cost Measure in California 2023, which provides us with valuable insights into the economic challenges our communities grapple with. I'm so looking forward to our conversation today. And please, listeners, if you'd like to join in and ask a question of our guests, you may not today because we're actually having our phone um, line with Henry Gascon, our Director of Programming Policy Development of the United Ways of California. So welcome, Henry and Doug. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So before we dive into our main topic, let's get to know you all a little better. Doug, could you share a little bit about your background and your role at the United Way of San Luis Obispo County? Sure. <clears throat> this year, after the retirement of a longtime CEO for United Way of San Luis Obispo, uh, the board brought me in as an interim CEO. I have 30 years' experience in the United Way network, uh, United Way worldwide, and local United Ways all across the country. And so I'm uh, thrilled to be able to use some of my experience to help this United Way on the uh, next uh, phase of its journey. And what led you to this work? Um, 35 years ago, I uh, was looking for something that would be a blend of helping the community and, and be a little bit uh, professional, uh, being in the workplace. Uh, and uh, someone introduced me to the United Way Network. They were looking for fundraisers back in those days. And so they put me through a crash course, and uh, I got my first job at the United Way in New York. Awesome. Hey, Henry, as the Director of Program and Policy Development of the United Ways of California, could you tell us about your journey and what your role entails? Sure, my pleasure. And our role here with the United Ways of California is primarily to support the work of all the 28 local United Ways throughout California, including uh, Doug, Doug and his team at United Ways San Luis Obispo. And our primary mission is to help improve the well-being of low-income children and families by improving their health, education, and financial stability outcomes. And I've been working with the United Ways of California for about 12 years and been deeply in involved with uh, supporting uh, the work of our real cost measure study and what it takes to make ends meet. And this is a, we just released our fifth study this past June, and I'm glad to talk about it with all of you this afternoon. 
Incredible. And it sounds like both of you are deeply involved in community work. So I wanted to see if you had any memorable experiences or projects that you've had a significant impact on while you've been um, at the United Way. Doug, do you want to start us off? In a number of United Ways I've been in, some of the most miserable, some of the most memorable experiences, excuse me, have been around uh, what we call sometimes a day of caring when we invite the entire community to come out companies to send volunteer teams, individuals to come out with their families, and have hundreds, literally hundreds of volunteer projects set up for one day in the community and have everyone gathered around to to help make things better. And when people get hands-on involved, eventually they they start uh, really getting inspired and eventually they uh, continue to volunteer and give money as well and volunteer to be on boards and committees at all kinds of nonprofits. So it's a great way to to start your journey into community by volunteering and become even more valuable after that as the years go on. That sounds amazing, Doug. Thanks. Hey, Henry, what about you? Do you have any memorable experiences or projects that have had a significant impact on you? Yeah, I mean, the joy of this job is just working with our local United Ways and just championing the work that they're doing each and every day. So we've had, you know, great uh, experience with San Luis Obispo and, and helping them out. They have a large USDA program that uh, we're actually working on a statewide level to support uh, farm workers uh, as part of a large USDA grant, so helping them with financial assistance. But also just the, you know, the stuff, the stuff the bus campaigns where United Ways are helping uh, ahead of the school year to make sure that kids have the school supplies and the food and the resources that they need to become successful. And we also focus on statewide advocacy work where we're advocating for uh, these children, these families who are working every day to make ends meet um, by improving their, their life outcomes. So it's a joy to work with them each and every day. Thank you for sharing that. And in your daily work, what aspect of the United Way's mission resonates you with you the most? I understand that you do a lot of help. There's a lot of services that are provided to families and um, around our county and everywhere um, that the United Way has touched. But I'm just wondering, in your day-to-day, what is it that the United Way does um, that feels like fulfilling the most in your, your day-to-day work? That's a great question, and and it's really easy to answer because in the last few months at our United Way, we have uh, hundreds and hundreds of farm workers coming into our office to so that we can enroll them for this COVID relief payment. They'll come in with brothers and sisters. They'll come in with children. They'll come in with their parents, and um, and they're folks that that are integral parts of our community. They've been working on the farms and the vineyards in Slow County. For, for decades, some of them, and they're, they're members of our community, but they were left out of some of the programs, relief programs during COVID. And so this program is, is helping to make up for that. And to see, look, look on their faces when they know that they can receive the $600 payment. And then when we're introducing them to programs like Head Start for migrant families for their children, um, it's really great to see them be able to get involved in the community, feel a part of this community, and to know that there are services here for them that they, that they didn't know about before. Yeah. What about you, Henry? Yeah, on a statewide level, um, we, we do so many things. So one of the things that United Way is known for statewide is the My Free Taxes program, where we're helping low-income families receive free tax assistance during uh, or during the early part of the year. So for many families who are just unable to uh, just afford uh, a, a you know tax um, uh, experts to help them with their taxes, we offer free volunteer services throughout the state through SparkPoint and other programs through that. Uh, Doug mentioned the USDA program, and we also have a kinship program that is helping foster families 
and, and foster kids with the resources that they need in real time. And we also have uh, are deeply engaged with 211 uh, efforts as well. So if you call 211, if you're in need of uh, assistance, particularly if you need of health and human services, we can help direct you to the provide to, to the right resources at the right time that you need them. So uh, that's available on a statewide level, and we're glad to support you in a way in these and many so many other programs that they offer throughout the state. That's awesome. So that number is 211 for anyone that needs assistance and uh, uh, more information about what kinds of assistance they can receive, dial 211. I uh, also am thinking about ahead to the future generation of folks that will work at United Way. Um, and I'm wondering if you can share, uh, you know, who, who uh, for folks that might be listening and thinking like, I might want to work there one day. What do you what do you have to say to them? I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. We, because of the, the farm worker relief program that we're doing, we have some temporary uh, part-time jobs right now. And so we've recently hired uh, three students from Cal Poly to come in and do temporary work to help us enroll these folks in the program. And so they're getting a taste of what it's like to work for a nonprofit and what it's like to help the community. And we have more of those opportunities available right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a great opportunity to get people to really think about what are the career options out there and how can you contribute to the society we all live in. Thanks, Doug. And Henry, what about for the statewide level? Anything you want to say to folks that might be considering a statewide position with United Way? Yeah, absolutely. We actually have a national resource to help uh, to help job seekers looking at looking at United Way. It's careers.unitedway.org, and there you will find job listings of not only the California United Ways, but actually United Ways, a thousand United Ways throughout the entire country that are working to help to improve the health, education, and financial stability results for the working kids. So if uh, if uh, something really speaks to you about United Way's work from uh, helping kids to uh, helping adults receive their get, get taxes or uh, some of the great programs that many of our United Ways are offering, uh, careers.unitedway.org is the way to go. Awesome. I'm Mario Espinosa Kulik with you for Central Coast Voices on KCBX, your Central Coast listener-supported radio station. As we continue on Central Coast Voices, my guests today are Henry Gascon, Director of Program and Policy Development at United Ways of California, and Doug Yeiser, Interim CEO at the United Way San Luis Obispo County. We've been getting to know them a little bit better and hearing about their work and the work of United Way, so thank you both for sharing about those details with our audience. Now, let's dive into our main topic, the real cost measure. This is an essential tool for understanding the financial challenges that Californians face. And we definitely have been seeing the impact of having real data um, and real uh, estimates of what that cost looks like here in San Luis Obispo. So I'm excited to get to this conversation about, um, uh, first, how did this even come to be? Why did this uh, project come to be in fruition with United Way? So Henry, do you want to start us off and talking about what the real cost measure is? Sure, absolutely. So we started this work back in 2009 in partnership with the University of Washington, who was known for, among other things, the self-sufficiency standard, um, which really looked at the cost of living at the county level. So they, among other things, they created a calculator. You would find the county that you live in, uh, identify the age numbers of everybody in your household, and it would show you what it takes to make ends meet. And in speaking with them, we were looking for ways to find out who's behind these numbers, who's really struggling. Let's talk about the single mothers, 
let's talk about Latino families. Let's talk about uh, communities from rural in rural areas to urban areas and, and even pockets of really wealthy areas. And who are the hidden poor? And where are they? And and we and that's why we created the real cost measure is to create a more robust analysis in terms of who is struggling behind these numbers. So we started this work in, in 2015, and the basic the goal of the real cost measure is to identify what's the minimum amount that a household needs to earn to make ends meet. And historically, we found that up to a third of families throughout California are struggling to make ends meet. It's about 34%, which given the, the fact that California would be the, lar- the fifth largest economy in the world, it speaks volumes that a third of its population is struggling. And if, it, if this isn't a public health crisis, we're not exactly sure what is. But when you quantify that, it's 3.7 million households throughout the entire state. And then we have data at the county level and also at the neighborhood level to look at disparities in terms of what's going in within the counties as well, just in terms of Los Angeles County, for example, um, it would be the eighth largest in the union if it was its own state. So we can talk about Los Angeles County all day long, but in talking about San Luis Obispo County, you know, one of the most beautiful and coastal areas of our state, we're finding that 31% of families in the county are struggling to make ends meet, and that's 26,000 households. So that is about 186% higher than the official poverty measure. And just to put a little bit more context, this in terms of how the official poverty measure is calculated compared to the real cost measure. The official poverty measure was founded during the 1960s during Lyndon Johnson's war on poverty. And very famously, Molly Arshansky, an official within his social, social, within his social security administration, looked at the cost of food because that was one of the biggest expenses for most, for most families during the 1950s and 60s. And for all intents and purposes, we're still using that formula today. It's just being adjusted for inflation every single year. But the real cost measure takes into account the cost of housing, health care, child care, food, transportation, and all the basic needs of life to create a more comprehensive look in terms of who's really struggling throughout the California throughout California. And um, that's uh, so it's, when you look at it, the numbers, the real cost measure is 186 percent higher than the official poverty measure in San Luis Obispo, and that's the difference between light and day in terms of who's struggling behind these numbers. Yeah, and in terms of the data, you mentioned about food and and these different uh, uh, variables of, of, of measuring wh- how people are getting by. Does it go specifically in depth of those variables? Like, you, can you can you see variables like food and water and, and any other kind of like living costs within the in, within those findings? Yes, that's right. And we have a, a, a really great calculator on our website where you can uh, select the county that you live in, put in the age numbers of everybody in your family, and it will tell you what the minimum cost is according to those components, by housing, by health care, by child care, transportation, et cetera. And one of the things that we've learned over time is that the cost of child care and housing are easily the two primary barriers that are preventing uh, households to make ends meet. And, and both are just alarming just in terms of how expensive they are. And in some cases, we're even seeing many families spend more on child care than they are on housing. And we already know how, how, how expensive housing is throughout California, whether or not you're below or above the real cost measure as well. But the way that we calculate this is that we look at the very basic minimum in terms of what it takes to make ends meet. So we look at HUD data for, uh, we, we use uh, the, the fair market rent rates for housing costs. 
And that's what's used to determine Section 8 housing. So it's a, it's a very, bene, very bare minimum standard. And then we look at the consumer expenditure survey to look at average costs for healthcare and transportation at the county level. And we use USDA uh, data for the low-cost food plan uh, to look at food costs as well. So we know the challenges that many families have been experiencing over the past couple of years, primarily with the pandemic, and we haven't fully seen the data results of that yet. But we're doing, uh, we're publishing the study every two years so we can take a longitudinal look in terms of what interruptions are happening within the economic cycle that are really impacting families' lives. And uh, our, the latest data that we have goes to 2021. It's the latest census data that we have. Uh, but we're looking forward to our, our next release back in two years from now to seeing, uh, uh, looking at a more uh, fulfilled role in terms of the impacts of the pandemic and the inflationary prices that have come as a result uh, in, in the immediate aftermath of the pandemic. So does this measure how, um, specific challenges that people are dealing with in our, in our region in this calculator? If you put it in, it tells you, like, what are the, like, top priorities or top um, uh, pain points for folks that are struggling to make ends meet? Yeah, absolutely. So when you run the calculator and if you look at our data, I mean, it will easily show that the cost of child care and housing are, are the two, two primary barriers. Um, and the official poverty measure looks at primarily the cost of food, and you'll be able to put food in context relative to housing and childcare. And you see most of the families spending a little less on healthcare and food compared to those two big items, housing and childcare. Um, and pretty much it's, we see that data throughout the entire state. Um, but it also just depends on, like, for transportation, what does that look like within your county? And in, in San Luis Obispo, it's probably not easy around to, easy to get around uh, in public transportation. So you're primarily dependent on your car or private transportation. So you look at the cost, look at average cost of what it takes to own a own a car. Uh, you look at your car payments. You look at the maintenance, and those are just the, the average consumer expenditure costs that we look into those transportation costs. But it really we can go into depth even for a whole semester on each of these topics to really look at what it takes to make ends meet. But we try to condense it into really easy digestible talking points. That's amazing. But and I'm now I'm thinking about the practical aspect of this data, um, and if there's any, any sort of examples of how folks have used the real cost measure findings to translate that into practical support or advocacy through the United Way. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we, we're going throughout the entire state right now, uh, working with our local United Ways to host local events to talk about the cost of living. And we're partnering with them to invite lo- local elected officials, uh, housing developers, child care providers, nonprofits, donors, anybody who cares deeply about the cost of living in their, co- in their communities are coming together. In fact, we're doing one at Hancock College in Northern Santa Barbara in Santa Maria uh, next uh, on uh, on October the twenty fourth. So if you want to attend that session, uh, visit unitedwaylife.org and you can register uh, that one for Santa Barbara. And we'll be doing one for in San Luis Obispo County over the next few uh, months, hopefully. But one of my favorite ways of how to use a real cost measure is a is a financial literacy tool. So uh, imagine you have a teenager coming home in the afternoon, three or four o'clock in the afternoon. They're super hungry. They open the refrigerator door and they eat away. Six o'clock in the afternoon comes, the family all arrives, they open the refrigerator and uh, they're, they're, they're asking themselves, where is dinner? So this could be a general intervention opportunity with your kids to talk about, hey, this is how much food costs, this is how much you ate today, right? And you can actually use that just in terms of being able to uh, encourage their financial literacy work as well. And 
We're proud of the work that United Way San Luis Obispo has done around financial literacy, and so they're actually offering financial literacy programs, and they just got another grant to sustain that locally. So we're proud of that work as well. But we see many nonprofits who are actually using the real cost measure for grant applications, especially as they're serving low-income families. And many foundations throughout the state, such as the Santa Barbara Community Foundation, who are including the real cost measure as part of their RFP process to solicit grant opportunities from nonprofits as well. So this can really translate into very different ways in terms of how you can use the real cost measure, both individually, um, in terms of financial literacy, just knowing um, if I'm looking to you know, buy a new house, if I'm looking to move, what is that going to cost me over the near and long term? And you can actually just use it as an organizational level, just in terms of, hey, I can actually use this to apply for grant funds for my organization, or even uh, work one-on-one with the elected official. Hey, here, look at the data in your in your district here, and, and what does it say about our communities? What are the things that we can do together in terms of improving the cost of living? We can bring in housing developers. We can bring in child care providers. Let's have a conversation about this, because we know that not one person is going to be able to successfully address the cost of living, but as a community and as a village, by collaborating and working with one another, we can do that. And one of the great things about United Way is that it acts as a community convener to bring unlikely stakeholders together, people who normally don't visit or connect with one another, and to talk about these community problems. And that's one of the things that actually brought me to United Way to begin with, is what we, what we can do systematically and collaboratively to bring people together to solve communities' problems. How, Doug, how do you see this tool being implemented or used in our region here in San Francisco County? I think this tool has great, as Henry said, it has great application in terms of how we decide the services that are most needed in our county. And so as we talk with politicians and, and at the county and the city level, and we talk with service providers in our community, this data helps us to figure out what is most needed and where do we need to focus our attention in the future. And so the, the services that our United Way provides tend to be right now early childhood education and family financial stability. That agenda could change at any point when the community says, hey, there's something that's being unaddressed. There's something that's not being addressed fully. And so that, that allows us to be, have the flexibility to say, okay, let's figure out how together, not just United Way, but how do we as a community figure out how to address things that have been given the short shrift perhaps and figure out – how we can work together, uh, combining forces with government and nonprofit and businesses and schools mm-hmm. to address things that neither one of us could do alone sufficiently. Are there any collaborators that you'd like to give like a shout out to of who 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 do you anticipate like working with um, with this these these findings? Well, I had uh, not necessarily around these findings yet, but an example of a collaboration. I had uh, a meeting yesterday with SynCal Health, and they have an opportunity to to uh, enroll new uh, folks that weren't previously eligible for the Medi-Cal, and we're having contact with those same folks through our client work. And uh, so we're able to help them. We're able to help uh, Capslow as well promote their programs to these different populations. And so we're all trying to work together and share the information that we have so that when we, any one of us comes in contact with people that can benefit, we're sharing the information about all the programs that those people have access to. And this simply allows us, this real cost measure will allow us to take that a level deeper and say, okay, right now we know that maybe childcare is one of the biggest concerns. How do we approach that together as a community, not as a single nonprofit, but as a community with the force that we can all muster together? Ian Henry, how do you see these collaborations coming to life uh, at the state-wide level? 
Yeah, so one of the virtues about working with locally in a ways and scheduling these real cost measure events is that they have an opportunity to use this real cost measure data and run with it on the local level by working with these elected officials, by working with foundations and other nonprofits to address some of the common needs they're all uh, working uh, to fight against as well. So uh, whenever we meet with an elected official, for example, and we're going to be doing that over the next uh, few months as we release the new legislative profile for the real cost measure, it's an opportunity for engaged electeds in terms of what's happening within your district that we can actually move the needle on. And we can even use it as a 30-second elevator pitch um, to a donor or somebody who wants to invest into the work that United Way is doing by telling them, uh, this is what it costs to live in San Luis Obispo County. Um, so, so for a family of four with two adults, one preschooler, one school-age child, we calculate that it costs almost $98,000 in income annually to make ends meet. And then you just talk about some of the great work that you're doing on the local level um, to actually help address some of those needs as well. Um, but just to speak a little bit more about the challenges that many of the families are experiencing below the real cost measure, is that we're finding that income, income inconsistency or inconsistent revenue throughout the calendar year is one of the primary barriers that are preventing families to make ends meet. So if you look at many workers within the retail industry or the manufacturing industry, those are largely seasonal jobs. And uh, if you're in retail, for example, you're often asked to increase your hours during the holiday season, and, of course, you get increased pay. January and February comes along, and you're asked to reduce those hours because you're no longer needed as much. Um, so it's an inconsistent cycle of income, which really speaks to the challenges that many of these families are experiencing every day, which contributes not only to their financial anxiety, but also their emotional anxiety, just in terms of how am I going to get through today? Everything's really on a day-by-day basis, just in terms of what can I do to make sure I get my rent, pay- rent payment covered can I negotiate with my landlord to cover half of this month's rent and catch up the next month? So these are the there's constant compromises and sacrifices that many families have to take uh, every day. And each case for every family, it's really different just based upon the scenarios that they're dealing with. Yeah, and Doug brought this up earlier about the farm worker relief funds and um, for COVID, and I think that that makes sense in terms of the inconsistent income, especially for our seasonal mm-hmm. workers in the area, um, who by and large are undocumented or Latinx. And and one of the things we've discovered through this process is that that we know that uh, certain folks are 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 not able to to you know stretch that money across the the year through the slow times and 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 the earning times. And so we've, for years, we've been offering financial literacy classes for young kids, first and second graders, and for high schoolers. And what we've recently received is a grant that will allow us to expand that program and make it into evening sessions for farm workers. And we can provide maybe a dinner, maybe childcare, whatever it takes to get them there, and give them two hours of basic training on, on debt relief and saving and how credit works. And just allow them to be able to be able to sustain their finances better across time, and so this is one of the value adds we get from being able to interface with clients directly through the program like the the COVID relief, but also applying what we've learned through the real cost measure in terms of what people are in need of. We're going to take a short break to hear from our team, and we'll be right back on Central Coast Voices.
It's 129, and let's take a look at the KCBX community calendar. Central Coast State Parks Association invites you to the fourth annual Butterfly Ball, an adventure in Wonderland, on Saturday, October 14th from 5 until 9 at the Octagon Barn in San Luis Obispo. Come enjoy live music, dance performances, a plated dinner, presentations, a silent auction, and much more. The gala supports Western Monarch Butterflies and the expansion of the Western Monarch Monarch Trail. For tickets and more information, visit centralcoastparks.org. Central Coast Voices continues with host Mario Espinosa Kulik. You're on, Mario. Welcome back. Today on Central Coast Voices, we're exploring the real cost measure and its capacity to shed light on the financial situations facing our communities. My guests today are Henry Gascon, Director of Program and Policy Development at United Ways of California, and Doug Yeiser, Interim CEO at the United Way of San Luis Obispo County. The real cost measure doesn't exist in a vacuum. It's influenced by various factors, including gender and race. For example, we know that income disparities exist, with black women making 58 cents on the dollar compared to non-Hispanic white men and native women similarly being paid 60 cents for every dollar paid to non-Hispanic white men. In considering the complex economic factors affecting our communities, it's also useful to consider those intersecting social factors. So let's explore how these dynamics come into play with the real cost measure. Henry, how do gender and race intersect with real cost measure, and what disparities or challenges have you observed since reviewing these findings? Yeah, thanks so much, Mario. And um, we've been looking at the intersection between race and the real cost measure since we started doing this. And we know that over the past few years, Latino households or Latinos have largely become the largest ethnic group in California. But Here's a staggering statistic. We're finding that 51% of Latino families are, fa- are falling below the real cost measure in California. That's well over half of the Latino population. And when you quantify that, that's over 1.7 million Latino households throughout the state. And our research really complements a lot of the existing social science research out there that really speaks to the fact that black and Latino households struggle the most. And we're finding that 45% of, black, of, black, uh, of households headed by blacks are struggling to make ends meet as well. But if you change the numbers, just in terms of that's the degree of struggle within each of, the, each, within each of these racial groups, the second highest number of households that are struggling in California are actually white households. And we find that 1.2 million uh, white uh, households headed by uh, whites are struggling to make ends meet. Um, so it really changes changes paints a different picture just in terms of the rate of struggle within each, uh, within each of these racial groups versus the overall quantity. And I think it's really important to address that because we're finding that pretty much throughout the state, white households are falling right behind, quantity-wise, are right behind Latinos just in terms of the numbers as well. Um, and one important fact to this is that we're finding that up to 97% of households below the real cost measure have at least one working adult. So what we're finding is that these families are not looking to take advantage of the public benefit system available to them. In fact, even if all the public, even if a family was able to take a, take advantage of all their income and all the public benefits that are that are available, 
they would still fall well be- below the real cost measure. Um, so it, it, these are really the staggering data. And when, when we look at the lens of gender, uh, the single mothers particularly struggle. Um, we often think of them as the breadwinners for their families, but they're also the entire emotional support system uh, as well. They're responsible for making sure that they wake up on time, they go to school, they, they are fed, um, that they have nutrition that they need during school hours, that they come back from school, are able to do their homework, and are tucked in safely at night so that, and get a full night's rest. Often single moms, because of the different uh, hours and, and jobs that they have to uh, experience throughout the entire day, aren't always there to fulfill all of those, all of those different tasks. Um, so they often uh, rely on uh, other kids to rely on the other, y- younger siblings, especially if they can't afford childcare. Uh, but we're finding that up to 70% of single moms are struggling to make ends meet in um, in California, and that number is high as well. I think uh, we're looking at about uh, almost 60% in San Luis Obispo County. So it really speaks to the challenges that single moms and uh, folks with it, within each of the different racial groups are experiencing to make ends meet. Yeah. Are there more specific findings or patterns related to gender and race that are relevant to our our region here in San Luis Obispo County? Yeah, one of the uh, age groups that we're constantly looking at are households with children between the ages of zero and five. So there's really key cognitive development years where you need, where your your brain develops quickly, you need childcare, and that makes organizations like First Five in California just so important just in terms of offering resources to them. But we're finding up to 59% of households with young children between the ages of zero and five are struggling to make ends meet in San Luis Obispo County. That's about 4,000 households. And it just speaks to the challenges in terms of the cost of childcare. Um, and it's also just being able to find affordable childcare within your community. Um, we can take a look at, you know, San Luis Obispo, but we know how, how large the county is and how often you have to spend uh, several uh, uh, minutes and time, at, at, in fact, hours on the 101 to get from one place to another. So finding adequate child care is, is incredibly difficult and expensive, and you factor in the transportation costs. It's for families who don't have reliable transportation. If you have a sick kid and the nearest hospital is 10, 15 miles away and you don't have adequate transportation, what are some of the things that we can actually do to help these families out? And, and those, are, those are the issues that we're trying to raise awareness for in terms of the real everyday challenges that these families experience to make ends meet from transportation, from access to child care, from finding affordable housing, from finding adequate food, and being able to reconcile that in, you know, as, with, rising, uh, with rising costs over the past couple of years. It's, it's been incredibly difficult for many families. Yeah, and Henry, you had mentioned before there are specific things that are like the COVID relief funds for folks that are farm workers um, that didn't weren't eligible for COVID relief during the pandemic. But I'm also thinking that the findings from the re- the most recent uh, real cost measure 2023 study um, are novel, but they also uh, tell a, a story that has been ongoing for a while now and that the United Way has been working to address for years. Um, so I'm wondering if you could please shed some light on how the United Way is addressing these disparities um, and working towards more equitable solutions for our community members. That's a great question. One of the yeah. things that we're that we've been doing uh, in this community for a while is is really addressing the preventive side of this. How do we make 
how do we try to keep the situation from getting worse for families, and how do we make sure that the next generation is going to hopefully have a better time? One of the ways we've done that is through the Dolly Parton Imagination Library, making sure that kids from birth through five years old are receiving a book a month that's preparing them. Even before they can read, their parents read to them, and then they read. By the time they enter school, they're better prepared, and the school district is better off being able to help them to learn. The state of California recently endorsed that specific program because they've seen the outcomes to be so positive. The state of California is now underwriting half the costs all across the state for kids to be enrolled in the Imagination Library. And so immediately we were able to double the number of kids without changing our budget that are enrolled in that program. But here's where collaboration becomes important because we have about 2,500 babies born in, in Slow County every year. And wouldn't it be great if every one of those children had the access to books and had the chance to start reading and be prepared when school when those school years start and you know what would it take to do that it would take hundreds of thousands of dollars but if we were able to to get school districts on board and hospitals on board and companies on board to say we can each benefit from this and we can each help make it happen and put those dollars together and be able to get more kids enrolled so that we could tell children, tell families that when they take their baby home from the hospital, um, they're going to start receiving books and be ready to learn. That would be great. And I think you bring up a good point there about collaboration um, because I think we focused a lot on like United Way collaborating with other nonprofits earlier, but also thinking about how collaborating with folks that are in the business sector, um, how how do you see folks that do – are, are in that sector, how do you see them playing a role in helping to collaborate with, uh, with United Way um, as well as implementing some of the advocacy strategies that we talked about with the real cost measure? I've got two great examples there. We have, I'll just call out a few. Um, Zern Corporation in, in the north part of Slow County uh, participates with us and, and volunteers. They send teams out to the community to do some great work during the year. It's team building for them, and it's great results for the community as well. Um, ITW here in SLO, ITW uh, Global Tire Repair, um, they've been participating with the United Way, volunteering and giving money for years and years now. Their employees uh, give money each year to United Way. The company matches their gifts. And actually, ITW just this month uh, reached the $1 million lifetime giving mark to this United Way. And so they've been really a great, strong supporter here, and we're really proud of the work they've done. But any company, any workplace, the county, the court system, they all have employee campaigns that allow their employees to give easily through payroll deduction and contribute to what our community needs to do together to, to make people's lives better. And so we're really appreciative for, for the employees that give money and the companies that allow that to happen through their, through their workplace. For sure. Henry, how do you see this playing out statewide with um, with folks in different sectors of the industries, um, nonprofits, governments, uh, business, etc.? Yeah, so Doug just brought up the excellent business example. And throughout most of our history, United Way has been known for its partnership and workplace campaigns um, with Target, with UPS and other partners to get them involved with our community service work through, uh, you know, helping schools, through uh, direct donations, support, and trusting the local United Way to uh, divest those resources as well. And um, and just engagement, just overall with with the sector in terms of electives uh, and with nonprofits and bringing them to the table. And we do that primarily by bringing them together for events and for collaboration opportunities. So many of our local United Ways 
or actually partnering with uh, many nonprofits in the community on local grant initiatives, whether if it's USDA grants and and, uh, and other types of income support services as well. So we have tons of examples from, you know, San Luis, Santa Barbara County is working really well with uh, school districts in the area to provide after-school programs. Um, Inland Southern California, you know, the way in Riverside has been working with uh, 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 the local county governments to provide housing assistance um, and utility assistance, especially in the e- immediate after after the pandemic. So these success stories really vary from place to place in terms of the communities. And we're finding that all 28 of our local ways throughout the state are doing this outstanding work for the community and just for the common good uh, because they care about people in their communities. They want to bring people together and they want to help solve society's problems. For listeners who are thinking about using the real cost measure findings in some way to help out their community members and for folks that are working um, on these advocacy initiatives for folks in the community, how would folks uh, access the real cost measure to either the findings or use the calculator? In Slow County? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Doug. <laughs> in Slow County, we invite you to visit our website. It's unitedwayslo.org. And right on the front page, there's a button you can press for the real cost measure. And, and you can uh, see statewide results, and you can drill down to San Luis Obispo County and, and see the results there as well. And if, if that prompts you to want to get involved, there's a volunteer button that's bright red on that same front page. And you can click that, and we'll help you get engaged to, to make our community better. Were you going to say something to add, Henry? Yeah, absolutely. Um, most of the United Ways have them on, on their websites, most primarily on their homepage. But um, we have that, inter- that interactive budgets calculator on our website, unitedwaysca.org. So that's where you can select the county that you live in, put in the age numbers of everybody in your household, and it will show you the minimum amount that it takes to make ends meet. But we want to emphasize the, the, the real cost measure isn't just the report that we just want to want to sit, uh, sit alone on a website or uh, if you have a printed version, sit in your bookshelf. This is uh, a challenge that many families are experiencing throughout the entire state in terms of the cost of living. So to augment that, we have a really great interactive dashboard. We need to play with the data. There's interactive maps. So you can actually look at the neighborhood level data just in terms of what it looks like in your communities. There's one-page county profiles which you can actually just say, see, find the key findings in terms of what the real cost measure looks like for the entire county, what it looks like across race, what it looks like for single mothers and for households with young children. And pretty soon, I think within the next couple of weeks, you're going to find legislative profiles where you can actually engage electeds like congressional members, state senators, and state assembly members in terms of this is the degree of struggle within your your district. That was immediately going to be uh, bring uh, – raise up their eyebrows because it's going to say, hey, this is the right areas that I serve. You're interested in helping me to address the cost of living. Let's have a conversation together. Let's bring in so-and-so from this business sector. Let's bring in, so- let's bring in so-and-so from this nonprofit. Um, this could actually really great raise awareness in terms of the cost of living. And, you know, even a, just in terms of, like, health outcomes, we learned with a, a great partnership with Measure of America, who creates the U.S. Human Development Report, that in one instance in the Central Valley in Merced County, there was a traffic light that was actually creating uh, a higher uh, a death rate uh, compared to other areas in the county. So even being able to fix a street light to actually improve health outcomes for families can make a, a significant difference over the short and long term uh, for many families throughout the areas, making our neighborhoods safe and seeing what we can actually do together to fix 
basic problems to, you know, some of the harder ones, such as the cost of living. But we're only going to be able to do that by engaging people together, not working in silos. I'm Mario Espinosa-Kulik with you for the Central Coast Voices on KCBX. Central Coast Public Radio, your listener-supported radio station. If you recently joined us for today's Central Coast Voices and want to listen to the entire broadcast, you can. It will be available on our website at www.kcbx.org under the On Demand tab. Click on Central Coast Voices and you will find this show and many others to choose from. You can also find us by searching Central Coast Voices wherever you get your podcasts. My guests today are Henry Gascon, Director of Program and Policy Development at United Ways of California, and Doug Yeiser, Interim CEO at United Way of San Luis Obispo County. To keep up with our guests and the work they're doing, you can find more information online and join the conversation on social media. You can visit the United Ways of California's website at www.unitedwaysca.org and find them on Facebook or Twitter at United Ways CA. For the United Way of San Luis Obispo County, their website is www.unitedwayslo.org and you can keep up with them on Facebook at United Way Slow or on Twitter at UWSLOC. As we get towards the end of our show, we do have a little bit more time to talk to our guests today. And in this section, let's talk about how our audience can get involved and take action on the issues we've discussed today. Doug, how can our listeners support the United Way's efforts to address the challenges highlighted by the real cost measure? One of the easiest things to do is to remember that there's a 211 helpline out there. So just like you dial 911 for an emergency, from anywhere in the country now you can dial 211 and you'll be connected to a live specialist who can help find solutions where you don't when you don't know where else to turn. And so if you're looking for child care, if you're looking for care for seniors, if you're looking for food, housing solutions, all kinds of things, and you just don't know where else to turn, 211 is the place to turn. So many people in our community are not aware of 211, and so that's a great resource, even if you're not the one that needs help, to share that resource with other people around you. Uh, Another great opportunity this year is with our volunteer income tax assistance program. And so the VITA program allows volunteers, trained volunteers, to help people prepare their taxes, people that wouldn't be able to afford tax help otherwise. We got we talked earlier in the show about single mothers with, with kids and the fact that they struggle so much. And we've had a number of people that came in through our VITA program this last this last tax season who had not been able to fire, file their taxes for several years because they got caught up with the COVID pandemic and other issues. And so a lot of times we're helping people catch up from the past as well as file their taxes for the current year. Um, If you're interested in volunteering for that, we're trying to expand that program greatly this year. We need about 25 more volunteers. And all it takes is uh, being willing to go through a a couple of hours of training on the IRS website to learn how to prepare a basic tax form for people. And we provide all the guidance and and help to do that. So uh, we're looking for people that uh, have a little bit of time to spend maybe a, a half a day a week to help us during tax season for VITA and help families get back on track with their finances. And we're helping people find incredible things like earned income tax credits and child tax credits that they didn't know they could apply for before. And so a lot of these families are receiving refunds uh, when in the past they weren't even filing their taxes because they didn't know that that was a, a possibility. And Henry, for those who want to dive deeper into the data and findings, what resources or educational opportunities can you recommend to our listeners? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I would just recommend going to our websites at unitedwayca.org or unitedwayslo.org, and there you're going to find all the resources that you need for the real cost measure. But um, Doug mentioned just the great resources in terms of what uh, uh, you can do in terms of 211 and also for our volunteer opportunities for uh, tax season. And we're always looking for volunteers statewide um, to help with taxes. And as Doug mentioned, it, it, we, we offered all the training and all the knowledge expert, uh, all, the, uh, all the knowledge assets that you need to help low-income families file their, t- their taxes as well. And you can go to either of our websites to find out more information about how you can be engaged. And if you're working at a nonprofit or if you're working at a business, and if you want to be more engaged with the work that these local ways are doing, feel free to give them a call. And they'll be more than happy to talk to you about some of the different opportunities of how your organization can actually help uh, to fulfill United Way's mission in terms of helping low-income children and families by improving their health, education, financial stability outcomes. Those volunteer opportunities could be with, with schools, with helping with after-school programs, um, with uh, uh, stuff the bus programs for helping kids get the school supplies that they need to become successful, um, and also just the, the financial assistance programs that many of our United Ways are championing uh, during the tax season and afterwards, too. Um, so uh, there's lots of opportunities where you can volunteer and just visit any of the United Way websites. The United Way SLO is probably the best way to go for for San Luis Obispo County. And you're going to find multiple resources in terms of how you can get involved. That's awesome. For the folks that are um, wanting to learn more about the real cost measure, what educational opportunities exist or are being planned um, uh, for our region? We we have the uh, sorry I was waiting for Henry to answer there. We have a, a, a session scheduled in Santa Maria coming up uh, this in November, Henry. Or what's the date on that? It's actually going to be October twenty fourth at uh, Hancock College. It's going to be from two to four p.m. and you can go to unitedwaylife.org to register for the event. It's completely free to the public. Wonderful. And many of our listeners are community advocates and leaders and change makers here in San Francisco County and abroad. Um, if we're everywhere, we are extend uh, Monterey County uh, and Santa Barbara County as well. What strategies or actions can they take to make a positive impact on these challenges that we've identified uh, for our regions? It's really a matter of, of advocacy and, and working with our elected officials and let them know what you care about. Let them know that you'd like to see them uh, working on these issues and collaborating with other organizations in town. Obviously, making a contribution is always valuable, and you can do that on our website, and volunteering. So the personal touch, the, the pocketbook, and the advocacy. Thanks, Doug. And before we get to um, the part where we, we, we let you discuss on like what things we didn't cover, what's one thing that for folks that were, are, are going to listen to this show, what's one thing that you'd like them to remember and act on, act on after today's discussion? I'd love for people to visit unitedwayslow.org and click that volunteer button or click the give button. The volunteer button, if you see something that attracts your attention there, there's a phone number and an email, and we will set you up to volunteer to stand up in front of kids and teach them about savings and, and bank accounts or to, to sit with uh, other people and, and read or to be able to uh, help people with their taxes. We have uh, lots of different opportunities out there. And Henry, what's one message you'd like our audience to remember after today's talk? 
Yeah, I would say just look at the real cost measure and just notice how different it is compared to the official poverty measure, just in terms of just one is based on, on food, adjusted for inflation, whereas you take a more holistic approach with the real cost measure and incorporating housing, food, healthcare, transportation for probably a more accurate picture in terms of what it takes to make ends meet in California. But also just to take a look at, you know, some of the macroeconomic um, mechanisms that are contributing to our overall economy. We did some extra additional analysis um, after the report was published, and we found that between 1984 and 2021, California's gross domestic product, which of course is the value of all goods and services produced in the state, increased by 173%. However, median household earnings only rose 4% during that same time frame. And what it largely tells us is that uh, the middle class hasn't gotten um, a raise in about four decades, and we haven't caught up with the cost of, uh, cost of living, particularly as housing prices go up, food costs go up, transportation costs, etc. And it's an opportunity for us to really look at ourselves as, just, as a society just in terms of what do we really need to live and to help people thrive and become successful. And I think the real cost measure helps to address some of those questions. And before we go, is there anything else you want to include or emphasize that we may not have gotten to, Henry? Uh, we just want to thank everybody who's been championing the work of United Way, United Way of San Luis Obispo, and really pay attention to the great work that they're doing financial, primarily around financial literacy and financial stability, the USDA program. These are great programs that are really helping people um, move up, and even just an extra amount of income will go a long way to support uh, families being able to cover their bills and basic expenses and reduce their emotional anxiety over time. So that's what we're trying to do here is what we can what we can do individually and collectively is to really help these families out both in the short and long term. Doug, do you have a closing thought for us today? I'd love to to echo echo uh, echo Henry's comments about thanking the community. Uh, everything that we do comes down to the people in this community that that live and work here. And none of it's possible if we're not all working together. So our slogan has always been Live United, and that is really the best way that communities go forward. So thank you for living united with us, and and we look forward to your cooperation going forward. I want to express my deep gratitude to both of you for joining us today and everything that you're doing for our communities in our regions here, but also in the, throughout the state of California with the United Ways. Our guests today have been Henry Gascon, Director of Program and Policy Development at United Ways of California, and Doug Yeiser, Interim CEO of the United Way of San Luis Obispo County. We hope you will join us next time on Central Coast Voices for our show on Thursday, October 20th at 1 p.m. with host Lata Murthy as she speaks with guests from Big Brothers Big Sisters of San Luis Obispo County, Katie McArdle, Development Director, Marina Pena, Site-Based Program Manager, and Don Sigmund, Community-Based Program Manager. They will discuss their work empowering kids in our community to achieve their full potential and what can be done to assist in these efforts. Central Coast Voices has been sponsored by Action for Healthy Communities and the San Luis Obispo Community Foundation in collaboration with KCBX. We also depend on listener support, so please consider making a donation today or become a member with your monthly donation online at www.kcbx.org. I'm your host, Mario Spinoza Kulik, and thank you for joining us today.